Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast with another amazing guest today. You're going to be blown away by the, uh, this person's story. Her name's Tiffany Barnes, and I'd like to welcome you. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited for our listeners to hear your amazing story of overcoming some um, very, very difficult hardships and how you've turned that into just spreading light to the world and the things that you're doing. And, and it's going to be amazing. I need to thank... Uh, Veracity Networks again for their sponsorship and then I want to thank the viewers and for everyone participating in this Thanks for sharing this for uh, It's really getting us in a place that uh, we're getting some traction and people are really uh, Are being inspired and changing their lives. So this is going to be no different and so anyway, thanks for being here Tiffany Absolutely. Um, She's you know, like I said lived an amazing life when she was younger. She was actually the 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 second person at the time in Utah that had been emancipated by her parents. So for those that don't even know what that means, explain that. Sure. So basically what it boils down to is I legally divorced my family. And that was because of circumstances that were taking place in my home. Right. By the time I was 13, I had suffered all forms of abuse. So physical, sexual, emotional, you name it. Wow. And my stepfather was sexually abusing me and basically gave my mother an ultimatum. When I finally came forth and said something, he, he had for a long time threatened me. He was a military police officer, a very intimidating man right. and uh, very violent with my mom. And he would say, if you say anything about this, I'll kill you. Wow. And, you know, when you're 13 years old, you believe a grown adult when he has that violent behavior as oh, well. Oh, for sure. And so I thought, <clears throat> excuse me, I thought, you know, if I say something, he's literally going to kill me. And there was a moment, you know, my mom never took any stock in my life. And mm -hmm. she came to me one day and said, you know, what's going on? And I acted dumb. And I was like, oh, right. I don't know what you're talking about. And right. long story short, yeah. what it boils down to is she persists. She was so persistent about it and asking me that I finally said, this is what's happening. And he denied it and gave her an ultimatum and said, it's your daughter or me. And so she kicked me out. Really? Had a yard sale, sold my stuff right in front of me you know, which was like devastating alone being kicked out. But why would you sell my stuff right in front of me? And that's how the emancipation came about. Okay. Was because I didn't want her to say I was a runaway or anything like that. She tend to be kind of a vindictive person. Vindic yeah, manipulate yeah. whatever situation to make. Right. Did you have brothers or sisters that yes. were going through some of the same things? Yeah, I'm the oldest um, by quite a bit, actually. My youngest sibling is, I believe, 12 years younger than me. I have two brothers and a sister. And both of my brothers have mental disabilities. My mom did drugs when she was pregnant with them. Oh, okay. And um, wow. so when I left home, you know, my youngest brother and sister didn't really realize they had a sister. I mean, they knew they did, but they didn't get to know me. You know, they were still in diapers and little. And, um, you know, I wish my mom would have stopped it with me. Because if she had, my little sister wouldn't have gone through it. Oh, wow. Okay. So. Well, how did you even know at that age to... to to be able to divorce your parents and get away from right. that situation. How did you know that? What Did someone come in and help you out? Or Yes, a social worker. Oh, okay. So what I did is I took a little garbage bag full of things that I had left, you know, clothes and things like that. And I had a, a Tootsie Roll bank. Remember those that had the little slit on the top? Yeah. And I had a couple bucks in there, jumped on the UTA bus and took it to Layton, Utah, where my dad lived, my biological dad. And, um, you know, he was doing what he could to kind of support me, but I was a latchkey kid. Okay. And I became suicidal and anorexic, and I realized it was time to reach out and get some help. 
because I was either going to die because I didn't want to be here anymore right? or I needed to change it. And so that's when I reached out to the social worker and said, here's where I'm at. Here's my frame of mind. And he took me through two years of very extensive counseling. Right. And at the end of that, you know, it was when I was what, 15 and he said, you know, where do we go from here? We could put you in foster care, which I right. didn't want to do. Yeah. And he said, or we can try what's called an emancipation. I didn't even know what that word meant. Sure. I didn't know what the process would be. But once he explained it to me, I thought, well, what's the worst that can happen? The judge says no, and then I'm still back to where I am now. So we went for it. And I was one of the, you know, second cases in the state to be awarded that. that. Really? Wow. So after that had happened, did you feel, did you, I mean, let's talk about, I mean, like you said, at, at 13, 14, 15 years old, going through all of this, scary time traumatic time yes let's talk about kind of what was going on in your mind as you're going through this process i think the hardest thing for me and the reason why i became so suicidal and anorexic was number one um, i was always told by my mom that i was fat and i was ugly and i was a piece of garbage and all these things and so i had a a poor self-image as it was but i was so depressed Mm -hmm. that i just wasn't eating and the other part to that was the person who brought me on the planet doesn't want me. Yeah, so I figured, right. what's the point of even being here anymore? Sure, yeah. And so I just fell into a really dark hole. Um, I listened to a lot of screamo, dark music. Mm-hmm. You know, I just was in a really dark place. And I think the hardest thing for me was just, you know, um, you know, the bond between a mother and a daughter was never there. But it just was, you know, it was just the the hardest and lowest blow I've ever had in my entire life. Right. And so um, I was very confused. Plus, you're growing into your body. You're a teenager, you know, going to a new school. And and spending all that time alone was probably the biggest part, too, because my dad would leave at six in the morning and not come home till late at night. So it wasn't like I had somebody to come home and confide in or talk to. And so I'd go to school and I had a lot of issues at school, you know, being made fun of. You're the new kid, bullying, things like that. And then I'd come home and just be by myself and cry and just felt so worthless. Wow. So difficult, difficult time for any kid to go through something like that so you so you started seeing a social worker this guy that was really helping you for two years it sounded like right. it was extensive therapy and yes how did you did, were you feeling hope at that time as you were meeting with this guy did it feel like hey i can probably get past this or yeah i think the biggest thing for me was um the counselors that i saw they just you know prior to this happening and me getting kicked out of the house i was in the youth symphony here in utah straight a student and really excelled in school and had all these accolades and then i dropped off and so a lot of these counselors were like oh my gosh i'd give anything to have a kid like you like you're amazing and they really kind of lifted me up really um there were some dark points too and journaling was something they had me do okay and that got me through big time. I named my journal. Her name was Aubrey. Really? And it was like talking to somebody that was never judgmental to me. And I actually have a book coming out called The Throwaway Girl. Yeah. And I chose that title because that's what foster kids are called or, you know, people of that circumstance are called throwaway kids. I don't know really? if you've ever heard that I've term. N- I have not. And I can't believe they will yeah, call them that. Throwaway no. kids. It's kind of an older term. Okay. Um, but I chose throwaway girl because I was always, I felt disposable to my parents. And, right. and that stemmed from the journaling, that kind of wrapping that all okay. together. Um, and so I've gone back and I had 20 plus journals by the time I was 13 years old. Really? And just went back and looked at what, where was my head at? Right. What were my feelings? And where did I have the turnaround? And I will tell you this. 
When I was emancipated at 15, I made myself a promise that I've never broken to this day. Really? And it was that I was never going to be anything like my parents. Right. So I wasn't going to be a high school dropout like them. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to be a teenager pregnant like them. I wasn't going to get hooked on drugs like my mom. You know, I was taught you don't have to pay bills. You don't have to, you know, if you owe somebody something, you're not obligated to to follow up on that or it's okay to have sex at a young age. So I was taught all these negative things as a kid. And I said, no, I'm going to be the opposite of that. So it kind of made it pretty cut and dry for you because that made it easy. I'm not going to do what they did. Yep. So it made it easy, easy for you to go, okay, that's what they would have done. I'm doing the opposite. Exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. And to be able to make that decision at such a young age too, to say, this is what I'm going to do. Right. Well, um, and that's what's amazing about your story too, because you went on into high school and you did some amazing things and you accomplished some things. Let's talk about that. Sure. I think for high school, what really helped me to excel was I had an adult, whether it's a teacher or a guidance counselor, giving me positive affirmation, Okay. you know, to get that award of some kind or to get that straight A and have that student say, oh my gosh, you're like my prize student. You know, I didn't get that growing up. I didn't have adults telling me I was a great person or I was beautiful or any of those things. And to get that positive um, affirmation or reinforcement, I guess you could say, from my teachers and my coaches and things like that in sports where I just thrived on it. And so it kind of became an addiction, if you will, a positive addiction of I wanted to be that straight A student. I was on National Honor Society. I graduated top of my class. I ended up getting 23 different scholarship offers, um, one of which the one I took was a leadership scholarship to the University of Utah. And, um, you know, I got an award for getting the most scholarships in my graduating class and (laughs) a Sterling scholar. So I was like, okay, what award can I get next (laughs) was kind of my mentality. And I don't, I mean, there's worse things, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, There's worse things you can be addicted to, (laughs) but I was like, I want more awards. And so, and then I went, I've been playing the viola since second grade and I was like, I want to be first chair viola. So I practiced and practiced and practiced till I was first chair viola and made it to the University of Utah Orchestra and... Um, the Philharmonic is what they call it. And so, uh-huh. again, it was just a competitive thing for me. But, you know, I, I lived on my own. I paid rent in high school. I, right. I paid $500 a month rent in high school. And I worked three part-time jobs my senior year. So I would get a work release where they'd let me leave at noon. And I'd get school credit for that, for right. going to work. Okay. Um, and, you know, like I said, I worked those three jobs and I made ends meet. And kids would come up to me because... This is kind of a funny story. I remember specifically one day I walked into my Spanish class, Miss Linares, Mm -hmm. and I was writing myself a note. Please excuse Tiffany Barnes for being late. Thank you, Tiffany Barnes. I literally could check myself in and out of school, write my own tardy notes. There was an article in the Deseret (laughs) News. I went to my own parent-teacher conferences where kids (laughs) would tell their parents, don't go or like hide it. I was going asking my teachers, what can I do better? How, How am I doing? And so uh, what I'm getting at is, so I turn this note in to my Mm -hmm. teacher and there's this kid on the front row and he's like, well, that's not fair. I don't write my own tardy notes. And I would get bullied about it. And some kids would just be like inquisitive. Like like, what's going on? Yeah. Why are you writing your own notes? And I had somebody ask me, no, did your parents die of cancer? Why don't you live with a grandparent? You know, just so many different questions. And I would say, no, I'm emancipated. And a lot of kids didn't know what that meant. (laughs) What's that word mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I would tell them and, you know, some kids would say, oh, my gosh, let's go have a party at your house. No parents. Or, you know, some kids would just say, you know, they'd come out of the woodwork and say, I'm being abused. 
and I've never said anything to anybody. And so there was really? like this light bulb that went off. And, you know, I told him why I was emancipated, right. obviously, which was the abuse. And this light bulb goes off and says, this is the reason you didn't take your life. You are meant to be a catalyst for others to realize this isn't going to define you. And it's okay to say something. And we need to say something. It's mm-hmm. an epidemic. Right. And so I started a support group for a group of 10 kids. And all we did is if we had classes together, we did our homework together. If we had projects, we do our projects together. Um, Maybe it was a day you needed a shoulder to cry on. And we just supported each other. You know, I went to Kearns High and there was a lot of drug influence and gang influence out there. And we wanted to stay on that straight and narrow path. And um, there was a kid in that group and he told somebody at Granger High what we were doing. And they said, I want to start that support group in my high school. And then another high school. And it started to gain so much momentum. Uh Little did I know it was going to turn into a national 501c3 nonprofit. But it has. (laughs) And it's called SHARE. So at the time when I started it, SHARE stood for Students Helping the Abused React and Empower. Mm, Okay. So we would just help those who had been abused learn to react in a positive way rather than a negative way. And be empowered and in turn empower others. So we're little by little reversing that cycle of abuse. Right. Gotcha. Now we've changed that terminology to sharing hope for the abused through resilience and empowerment. Okay. Beautiful. So still going strong. It's amazing. That is so amazing. And I love what you just said a minute ago. And it, it's actually teared me up is when you said, this is why you didn't take your life. Exactly. And I think there's a quote, and uh, I'll be close, but Mark Twain says, the two most important days of a person's life were the day you were born and the day you found out why. Yes, and I you found that. And you found out in that moment, this is why I'm still here. Yes. And what's so amazing to me, and I'm just really, I'm, I'm blown away, listeners, as I'm, and you probably are too as you're hearing this, is at such a young age that you were so determined to do the right thing. And rise above this. You easily could have played victim. You could have gone out and done drugs and drank. And we all would have understood. We would have went, yeah, I get why she's doing that stuff. But no, you right. did the exact opposite. And that is amazing. I think that's pretty rare. Don't you think? It is very rare. A lot <laughs> of people say that. I, yeah. Honestly, people probably thought I was either going to end up dead in prison or pregnant. Well, yeah. And then we would all understand, though. We'd go, go, look what she had to g- grow up in and what she went through. So we understand yeah. that. But yet... See, I, I mean, I have to just give a little plug. J.C. Dugard, who was um, kidnapped at 11, raped for 18 years in a shed. Oh, my gosh. She did the exact same thing you did. She rose above the situation. She doesn't do drugs. She doesn't drink. She doesn't blow up her life. She's actually helping millions of people all over the world. That's you. Right. Right? I mean, that's really what you're doing. And so you went on and do the share thing. I'm just blown away. Thank you. I'm serious. Like, this is amazing. Um, and I feel your energy and I feel your passion around that. So so as this starts to grow, I mean, are you thinking in your mind like, what is going on here? <laughs> I am, but I'm also, it's, so I call myself a light worker. And part of that is uh, I ran the torch in the Olympics here in Salt Lake yes. shortly after I graduated. And that was also a result of starting SHARE. But I call myself a light worker because I thrive on finding light in darkness. Mm. And I thrive on helping others find their light in darkness. Too many people get in that darkness and they hunker down and they stay there. And they don't find the light in the situation. Granted, I'm human. 
I have days. Yeah, I'm sure. But I also remember, you know, that I'm seeing your quote behind you and it reminds me of a quote that I love. I believe that friends are quiet angels who lift us to our feet when our wings have trouble remembering how to fly. Ooh, that's beautiful. So sometimes we forget how to fly. Yeah. And it's people in your life that pick you up and dust you off and say, get back out there. You can do this. And I've had people that have done that for me and I try to be that person for others. (laughs) I'm just blown away, Tiffany. Seriously, this is amazing. You know, you you mentioned to me before we got on that how you you don't use any of this as a, as a crutch is again to share light to people who are in that dark area. Right. Talk a little bit more about that and how that came about. You know, um, I don't know specifically when I decided that's you know the term mm-hmm. I was going to use, but I I always say I choose to use my past as a stepping stone rather than a crutch. Right. And I think it's because. You know, so often people go through anything in life and they just say, woe is me and play the victim and all these things. And and it's just not me. You know, I've been asked this question so many times, like, how did you, why did you, how did the, you know, so many, how, what, where, why, all that. And I say, honestly, and I'm a God-fearing person, Mm -hmm. I feel that there's a chip inside of me that... uh, so to speak, right. that God said, yeah. you're going to go through this when you go down to earth and mm-hmm. this is your purpose and you're going to be a light worker and help others to get through their yeah. trials and tribulations. And I feel I made that soul contract before yeah. I ever came here. And it took me until about eight years ago to really realize that. Yeah. And I know we've touched on this already in your story, but there was a time in your life you you were thinking about, I just want to be dead. I want to end my life. Yep. Do you remember, was it a gradual shift through just that process of meeting with the social worker and things like that? Or do you remember a day where it just clicked like, okay, kind of like when you said, I'm going to do the exact opposite of what my parents did. It was one specific morning, as a matter of fact. So the house that I lived in with my dad, he still lives there today. It's a one bedroom house. It's 700 square feet. Mm. So he gave me the bedroom. He was sleeping on the couch and I was laying in his bed and it was a, a morning before school. And it was a morning where I thought, I'm bound and determined. I'm done today. I am going to kill myself today. I'm done. And then there was this other voice in my head. It's almost like the devil and the angel. Sure. And it was like the angel said, but if you do that, who really wins? Mm. You're letting this defeat you. Wow. And it was almost like, this is how I equate, equate it. Every single one of us has some sort of a flame inside. At that point in time, I had a little itty bitty spark. I wanted to give up. And sometimes you're so passionate, it's a roaring, raging fire. And whatever that voice in my head said to me, ignited that flame. It was like you put a match on that flame and I was like, you know what? Yeah, this, I'm letting my mom win. I'm letting my stepfather win. I'm letting the bad guys win, so to speak. And so that angel, so to speak, again on my shoulder said, you know, get up, you're letting this defeat you. And that's when I picked up the phone and said, I need help. Here's what's going on. Really? So it was literally one morning that changed my entire changed life. everything. Changed my entire life. I mean, think about that because you easily could have listened to that other voice and went that other direction easily. Yeah. I mean, talk about what a defining moment, you know, like a transformational moment in time for you. Right. And man, and... Thank goodness you chose what you did because look what you're doing now. Right? I know. I think that so many times. (laughs) I bet you do. I do. That's so amazing. Um, So you're doing other things as well. It's not so you've done you talk a little bit more about the share. 
and where that's at right now. Okay. So as I mentioned, Share, I started 1998. So what is that? 21 years ago? Is my math right? Yeah. 21 years yeah. ago? Yeah. So I became a, a 501c3 about 10 years ago. And I, I've been hosting what's called a Youth Empowerment Day. So that's here locally in Salt Lake City. This year we did it at Wheeler Farm. And what it is, is it's about empowering our youth. Mm -hmm. What I've really found through my experience in doing a lot of public speaking and talking to a lot of people who've been through similar abuse or worse, that they feel they're alone in a lot of cases, which is kind of crazy because it's one in four women, one in six men before the age of 18 that suffer some form of abuse. So you walk into a room with 10 people, just based on statistics, there's probably going to be two or three of them in there that have gone through it. Gone through it, yeah. But it's a thing that people suffer a lot silently. Mm-hmm. I've had 60, 70-year-old men come up to me and say, my my spouse doesn't even know this, but I was abused as a young man or a young woman. And for some reason, they felt compelled to tell me about it because well, I shared my story. Yeah, they feel safe around you. Like, right. man, look what she went through, and here she is being brave talking about it. It right. probably gives them, like... I need to say something. It's just, but it's just so mind blowing to me. They've carried this darkness with them 70 years, maybe not 70 years, 50 of the 70 years or however long it, it right. was yeah. um, in their body and never said a thing about it. Their kids didn't know, their spouse didn't know. And, and it's got to be something that, I mean, there's so many different ways it can affect a person. Yeah, but anyways, sure. what I'm getting at is I'm trying to start with the youth. And that's okay. why I started this Youth Empowerment gotcha. Day. And what it is, is it's for 10-year-olds to 18-year-olds. Now, if it's a 9-year-old or 19-year-old, we're not going to be super strict on it, but that's kind of our our age range. That's kind of your range range, yeah. And what we're doing is we come together, and it's a safe place where people who've gone through any sort of an adversity can come and find that camaraderie saying, oh my gosh, you've been through something too, and you've been through something too, and you know, I'm not alone. And it's really empowering to see. You know, we had sumo suits this last time, and the reason we did that... Uh I don't know if you've ever been in one of those sumo suits, but they're hard to get up once you've fallen down. (laughs) It looks like it. I've never been in one, but... It's about... That's uh, how abuse is, and that's how life is. Makes sense. You know, you get knocked down, and it's hard to get back up. But guess what? We had volunteers there lifting these kids back up in these sumo suits, kind of like... You know, there's Symbolic people around you. people helping yeah. you. Yeah. And we did I an art it. contest. Um, we're actually going to be displayed in the Davis um, Conference Center in next May. Oh, okay. So we'll have a big Great. Um, thing there in the lobby showing what empowerment and resilience means to these kids. So I'm also working with elementary school kids, but I'm really focusing on that 10 to 18 because that's where I've seen that affects them so heavily. Right. And... Um, you know, it's just been really amazing to see. We we partnered up with the uh, Fathers and Family Coalition of Utah. They came and brought their food truck out. Nice. Um, and then Kindness Revolution, which I've talked to you about before the show, we did something there as well. Um, yeah, talk a little more, more about that, the Kindness Revolution. Sure. I think that's so, really neat what you're doing there. So the Kindness Revolution is actually a national 501c3. I didn't create it, but I am running the Utah segment of it. And okay. I was asked by the people who created it to run it. And what it is, is it's about spreading kindness. You know, there's not enough kindness in today's world. People compare right. each other to you you know, yourself to another. And, um, there's so much bullying. You know, I went and spoke at Stansbury high school a couple of months ago and Mm -hmm. the statistics of suicide for that high school is just staggering. It's, it's crazy how many kids are taking their lives right now. And a lot of that has to do with social media. Yeah. 
So what we've done is we've created these bracelets, and I'm wearing one today, and it just says the kindness revolution, and this one says it's cool to be kind. Right. And just kind of reminding people that we need to spread more kindness. And so what you do is uh, we give out two bracelets per person, one to wear, one to share. So when you catch somebody in an act of kindness, you give them your bracelet and say, thank you for your act of kindness. I want to give you this bracelet to say thank you. And then when they see somebody do an act of kindness, they pass their bracelet on and so on and so oh, forth. Very and cool. It's just creating a movement, yeah. you know, to spread kindness. I love it. That's a, I agree. I mean, I think um, if there was more kindness in the world, things would be so much better. And I know we say that a lot. Right. But you're actually doing something to make a difference in that area, you know. Right. And so, yeah, we got a little moth flying around here. I was like, <laughs> what is that? It's our guest. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know. As you do this, I mean, you're doing a lot, and you're also an empowerment coach. Correct. So let's talk a little bit about that as well and what that looks like for you. So for the last 15 years, I have been gone 40-plus weeks a year <laughs> traveling, speaking on real estate stages. That's actually – I was a millionaire at 28 years old, no which way. based on my past, you would have never guessed that happened. Uh, I have a really extensive real estate portfolio, and I had somebody who was a millionaire who took me under their wing, and I worked for free for six months just to be a part of just his. Just to learn. Yes, and, right. and got my first transaction done. I made three thousand dollars. Next one, I made four. Next one, I made another three, and I right. thought, oh my gosh, you know, this <laughs> is pretty cool. You're like, what? Yeah. yeah. So then I started to pursue it more, and that's what's been my life the last fifteen years. Okay. And um, the guy I was working with traveling, so I'd get up on stage and teach people how to become a real estate investor, but I started to see that his moral compass didn't align with my moral compass. Okay. And so I, I left last May. Oh, really? And so for the last year and a, and a month or two, I've just been doing a ton of soul searching. And I've realized that my passion and my purpose is to help people who've been through abuse, but also empower people. So I have a ton okay. of experience speaking on stages. I thought, why don't I turn that around and start speaking to women who've been through some form of abuse and tie it into real estate. So what I'm oh, doing really? right now is I'm working on building transition homes. So it could be like a fourplex or a sixplex. When a, when a woman okay. gets out of a woman's battered shelter, this could be a home where Everyone in each apartment has gone through the same thing. They've all, they're also trying to transition. Oh, gotcha. And we're working with Dress for Success to show them, you know, how to become business owners or how to interview right. for jobs and things. Because a lot of times they've been repressed and never were able to do that for their family. Right. And so we're trying to empower them to become business owners. Maybe they want to learn how to do real estate and get into that. Um, and so I'm trying to tie the two together. But really, with this empowerment coaching um, the business I started is called Light Your Flame Within. Mm, and the reason name. I called that is because, number one, if you'll remember when I said I ran the torch, the yeah. theme was Light the Flame Within. Oh, okay. So it's kind of a play off of that. Gotcha. Okay. But I want to show people how to ignite their flame and be empowered, whether that's being a business owner, being a homeowner, you know, just loving who you are when you look in the mirror. Because I know I didn't at one point, you know. And right. so... Um, I've been speaking on stages like the Energy Healers Conference. Yeah. I just spoke to a bunch of women at right that who want to learn how to be resilient and feel empowered in all areas of their life. Wow. Impressive. You're impressive. Seriously. Thank like you. all these amazing things you're doing. It's like, uh, I mean, as I'm sitting here talking to you, it makes me want to be a better person, honestly. Oh, wow. And I hope my listeners are probably feeling the exact same thing because 
you know, you hear of people going through such difficult times and how they kind of rise above. And that's kind of been the theme of my belief cast over the last 81 episodes. And, 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 you know, to hear that you've done this really gives a lot of hope for someone who may still be in that dark place. Right. And hopefully this story, even today, will share shed some light and help them get out of that. Um, with that said, you know, what, what advice would you give someone who may be hearing this right now and they are kind of never shared the, the abuse they've gone through or they're going through it currently? What advice could you give them to kind of hopefully get them out of that? So there's a saying I teach all of my clients, and it's it's the start that stops you. Mm. Explain it's, that. It's the start in anything that stops okay. you from being the successful person you want to be or changing your circumstance. So the biggest thing you can do is start. Start by telling someone about what you're going through, whether it's a journal, whether it's a person. Right. But you've got to get it out of your body because it's going to be a cancer in your body. Right. Almost literally. Right. You know, and a lot of people just because I know I was like a trash compactor, right? Something would happen <laughs> to me and I would just compact it down, come back to and I just keep right. doing that until finally I got to like up to my head. Right. And then I would just explode because there was so much I compacted over the years. Yeah. You've got to get it out. And mm -hmm. people, if they're going through something, I don't know how you feel about this, but I'd be willing to give them some of my information for my Absolutely. website and reach out to me because I do coaching for stuff like that, or I can get them into some of the right resources. Absolutely. When we get cl closer to the end of this, I want you to share cool. all of your contact information for okay. sure. Absolutely. But yeah, so the biggest thing is just get it out of your body. Yeah. Say something. Well, that's why you even said when you were going through this, when you were younger, writing in that journal became like yes. your best friend. Yep. Someone that didn't judge you. I could say exactly what I was feeling without any worry of anything exactly. and how therapeutic that was for you. Yeah. Yeah. Very so, much so. I like that. Even if it's as simple as start, write it down, get it out, right? Kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Get it out of your head and out yeah. of your heart. Yeah. Um, what are the statistics? I mean, you, you, you mentioned one in, is it one in, go over that again. One in we're... four women before the age of 18 and one in six men. Is that a national yes, statistic? That's... Okay. And the statistics are getting worse. So are, they were Is Utah even... about equal to that statistic-wise? Utah's one of the top three states in the nation, especially for sexual abuse. Wow. Which the number one form of abuse is sexual abuse. Right. And 90% of all sexual abuse takes place with somebody that the person knows or a relative. Okay. It's not usually a strange or anything like that yeah. that's the other 10 percent and we have a ton of sexual abuse here in utah yeah well one thing i want to point out that was really powerful when you said it to me is you know when you were told if you say any of this you're i will kill you yes i mean and as a kid you believe it right. i mean you're, and it's so scary you're like okay but you got to that point where you reached out and you called someone right is there something like that now for kids who might be going through this that they might be in the same situation where if they feel like they share their, this person is going to kill or harm them in some way? Right. Is there a number out there that people can call that who might be going through this that it's a safe kind of a way to get out of yes, it? Yes. You can actually call and it can be anonymous even if you want to report it. Because here's the thing. Okay. If you see something, say something. We've heard that before. Sure. And what I tell people is if you see abuse taking place and you say nothing and you say, oh, that's not my problem. I don't want to break up the family. Let's sweep mm -hmm. it under the rug, whatever. Then you're just as bad as the abuser themselves. 
mm, in my opinion. Wow, and yeah. that's heavy, I know to say, but that's that's how it is. Well, you're allowing it to continue if yes, you don't, correct? Right. Yeah. But to answer your question, there is a hotline, a national hotline. I don't know the number off the top of my okay. head. I'm sure we could maybe put it on your yeah, page or I'll, something. I'll post it up uh, when we post this. Um, I'll add it to your uh, bio on there. And it's on it's on my website. So when you go to the website, you can see I have. Okay. All kinds of resources for domestic violence, shaken okay. baby syndrome, all of that stuff. Great. So. Wow. Um, so, you know, as you've gone through this, what, what do you think is the biggest thing you've learned? I know that's a, a big question I'm asking you because there's a sure. lot. But is there something that stands out or are there a few things that you've just, you look back and go, man, I, this is these key things that I've learned through this whole process? Man, I would say, geez, that's a tough question. <laughs> um. I'd say the biggest thing I've learned is, number one, don't give up. Resilience is my favorite word in the entire world. Mm -hmm. And that can apply to anything. Um, That we all have it within us to conquer and to survive. Right. But it really just boils down to how you think about it. It's a mindset. Right. And if you can get around the right people, you know, they say birds of a feather flock together. Mm-hmm. You hang out with drug addicts, you're going to end up becoming a drug addict. Yeah. You hang around people who are there to lift you up, you're eventually going to lift yourself up, you know. Yeah. And so Love that. it's really important to be careful who you're letting in your life and your circle. Because I'll tell you one thing I truly struggle with now. So I'm single, ready to mingle for all those listeners out there. Um, <laughs> okay, there you go. I'll there's be 37 your, on Sunday. There's your Sunday. invitation. No. <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of people are like, how are you not married? How do you not have kids? And I think it's because I'm so particular, you know, and through what I've been through, something I, I deal with is I somehow attract men that they're good in the beginning and they start to become controlling or emotionally or mentally abusive. And there's mm. something still inside of me that's attracting that. Right. So I'm going through counseling just for that right now right, to figure okay. out what am I putting out there to attract these men. Like I say, first six months, totally great. And then all of a sudden it's like a flip something. switch or yeah. something, you know. Okay. So um, it's just really very important to be careful who you're letting in your life. That's a good point. And to be, you know, very conscientious well of again that. you're doing all these great things but at the same time you're still you you're human like you said you're going yeah. through challenges still and sure but i love how you're continuing to you just keep working on it yeah like you you know a lot of people including myself i'm thinking god you go through all that it'd be easy to just give up right you know and here you are you would think okay everything should be hunky-dory but you're still going through something around this issue yeah but again it shows how when someone goes through something early on in life, how that can continue and affect you years and years later. Right. It's always a work in progress. I'm not going to say it's rainbows and roses. Right. But 99% of it is mindset. Yeah. You guys hear that, listener? 99% is mindset. Yep. Right? We have a little little thing on the wall here that says mindset is everything. It's a goldfish with a shark fin on. Yes. And it really is, you know. And I agree with you. It's one of the things I teach my clients too. And I, you know, help them overcome their addictions and limiting beliefs that have held them back in their life. Right. Is this change the mindset. Let's change the way we think. Let's change the story we're telling ourselves about ourselves. And and that's kind of what you've been doing through this whole thing. Absolutely. Right? Yep. That's amazing. Thank um, you. What other ideas and thoughts and things and projects are you looking at doing? And, you know, what what are, you, what are your future goals? What do you want to do? 
So I think the next biggest thing on my plate is my book. So I started writing that. Do you know Dan Clark? Yes, I do. Wrote in Chicken Soup for yep. the Soul. Uh-huh. So I was giving a presentation when I was 18 years old, and he was in the audience with his wife. I didn't know who he was. Right. And he says, hey, you know, people come up to you after you give presentations, and he said, hey, I want to take you to lunch. I'm like 18 years old. All right, free lunch, I'll go, you know. <laughs> He takes me out to lunch and passes this stack of books my way, which were all his books, which I didn't uh-huh. know at the time. And I'm like, what are these? And he said, oh, these are books that I've written. And you need to write a book about your life. And I kind of chuckled. I'm like, yeah, right. I don't need to write a book about my life. Right. But it really resonated with me after a while. I thought about it. And we had more mm-hmm. conversation during lunch. And um, he says, if you write it, I'll help you publish it. Wow. So I recently, last year, joined the National Speakers Association which he's been a part of for yeah, years. Yeah, he's I had, been there forever. I yeah. had no clue. Yeah, he's a big player in that yeah. arena. I'm sitting there. We were meeting at the Doty Center over at the IHC building, and um, I'm coming out of the bathroom and up, walking up the hall is Dan Clark, and I just stared at him for a minute, <laughs> and he recognized me 18 years later. Wow. And he's like, Kern's high, Kern's high. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, remind me of your name. So he knew who I was. Right, you know? sure, and I'm yeah. like, Tiffany Barnes. And I said, do you remember when you told me, you took me out to lunch and said you were going to help me publish my book? And he goes, yeah, I remember something about that. I said, I've been writing it for 18 years and it's finally done. <laughs> so I'm ready to take you up on take that. Take you up on so it, So that's yeah. where we're at right now. We're in the final stages of it. Very cool. What's, a, what's the name of the book again? The Throwaway Girl. The Throwaway Girl. And where, when do you know? Do you have a launch date in mind that we can? I don't tell our have listeners? a launch date. It'll probably okay. be spring of next year. Okay. I have a list of about two thousand people already that want the book. Nice. So if your listeners are interested in that, once I give out some of my contact information, yeah. they can reach out to me and we can get some pre-orders on there. Yeah. Wow. Well, your story is amazing. It, it's mind blowing what you've been through, but even more impressive is how you've handled it. Thank you. I mean, it really is, and I'm sure you've heard this before, and. And, uh, but you know, the world needs more people like you because, and like you said early, earlier in your story, how this is why I knew I wasn't supposed to take my life. That stood out to me more than anything you've said, because I really do believe you're here for a reason. It's one of the things I teach my clients that life happens for a reason. Life happens for us. Even the, uh, even the dark times and the hard times, it's it's there to build us and make us stronger. And yeah. you're doing what you're doing now. Had you not gone through that, we probably wouldn't be talking today. Right. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So is there any contact at all with your parents at this point? Do they know what you're doing? Do they see this light going, oh, my gosh, that's Tiffany? Sure. So my mom's still a drug addict. She lives in Florida somewhere. Um and unfortunately, I'm honestly surprised she's alive right. because of how heavy she is into drugs. My biological father still lives in that house up in Leighton, Utah, where I grew up. And the best way I can describe my relationship with my father is, so I've actually spoken about this on stage, is I've uh-huh. forgiven my parents. Mm. And people, even my sister and my brother will say, how can you forgive? How did you do that? Yeah. And... It's a lot along the lines of what we've already talked about is if I don't forgive, then I feel it's a cancer in my body because there was a lot of hatred and anger and animosity and all of those negative emotions that I carried and it was eating me up inside. So finally, even my stepfather who was, I never mentioned this, he went to prison for molesting me and my sister. We actually finally went. Oh, you didn't mention that. Once I found out. So kind of a long story short, um, 
right after I graduated high school, I said, you know, I want to find my siblings because there was this large gap when I left home. So 15, 13 to maybe 21 or 22, I had no contact at all. Mm -hmm. And so it was just kind of happenstance that I found my sister. She was with a foster family up in Heber and my brother was with her and my other brother was in Florida with my mom. And I said, you know, I want to build a relationship. And so my sister wasn't in the best of places and I took custody of them. I took my siblings out of foster care and raised them. And so now my sister's married. Well, she's engaged and right. she's got a baby. She named her daughter Isla Tiffany oh, really? after me. Wow. Um, and so, awesome. you know, I was 20 something years old, took on this family of my own. And the reason I did that is because I wanted them to not go through the, you know, the pain and the suicide and right. all those things that I did. Sure. And so once I took custody of my sister, I found out that she was molested. It was her biological father, my stepfather. Okay. And so we opened up a case and the statute of limitations should say that he couldn't be prosecuted for me. But because they were so similar in circumstances and the way he started it and did it and all these mm -hmm. things, they reopened my case. Okay. And so I testified against him. My sister testified against him, and he's serving a 15-year sentence in the Utah State Penitentiary. Wow. So he tried to appeal it, and we had to do victim's advocate. You know, we had a victim's advocate, and we had to do these statements of how it's affected our life and will forever affect our life. Right. And he did not get his appeal. Wow. So, um, anyways, with my biological father, so I've been really successful financially. Um, and I remember I started, I opened up a cell phone store downtown and you'd think your parents would say, oh man, that's so cool. I'm so proud of you. My dad's never said he's proud of me, but what his response was, was whose blankety blank did you have to suck to get this? That's really? how my father talks to me. Wow. Cause my mom cheated on him and he thinks all women are just promiscuous cheat yeah, yeah. they cheat wow. and he's never dated since my parents divorced when i was seven so 30 years my dad's been single my dad has no clue i have a nonprofit. he has no clue i have a book coming out because he it's a relationship where i have to make it happen right and um he's a different man now he's very introverted he was physically abusive to me when i was a kid he's not that way anymore right but I also feel like maybe he carries some guilt. Um, I know that he was abused when he was a kid. So like I say, it's a cycle. Yeah. Um, not to excuse what he did. But to answer your question, the relationship with him is because I make it a relationship. Wow. And, um, you know, again, work in progress. I'm just waiting for that day he tells me he's proud of me. It might be one of his, he's on his deathbed. Yeah. You know, and he doesn't tell me he loves me or anything like well, that. And I would say even if he doesn't. Deep down to his core, he he is because I would imagine if he didn't, it's just because he's probably scared to admit that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, how could he not? I mean, look at what you're doing. You're amazing. And Thank the stuff, you. you really are a light to this world. And we're so grateful that we have you in this world. Thank you. And especially those who are going through abuse, who can learn from you, who can be taught by you, who can be coached by you. And, and and to see the light in their own lives and I mean what a I mean think about that what a great business that you have just in that right right it's so I'm like wait I get paid to do this <laughs> right it's crazy yeah you know they say find something you love to do 
And, yeah. you know, I'm living my dream right now. So. Wow. That's amazing. Well, um, one last thing, you know, I mean, is there, you know, any advice that you could give someone again that's, that's listening to this, that's like, okay, you know, and maybe give us your contact information, if whatever you're comfortable with and sure. how they could reach out to you, get on that book list and sure. see your website. My advice to your listeners, and I know you call yourself the belief cast. Number one, believe in yourself. Mm. Have the right mindset. It's the start that stops you. And don't be afraid to say something. Wow, I love it. You know, I always say speak up even if your voice shakes. Mm, and it. my podcast is called the Speak Loud podcast for that reason. <laughs> I love it. Is I want people yeah. to speak loud and sure. tell their story. And, you know, if any of your listeners are interested in, in listening to that, it's only got four episodes, but it's uh, speakloudpodcast.com. Okay. I also have a, for my nonprofit is sharethemovement.org. Okay. And if they want to contact me personally, um, they can find me on Facebook under Tiffany Barnes, or I also have a website, coachtiffanybarnes.com. Beautiful. Well, listeners, if you know of anyone who's struggling going through this, or if you are personally, please reach out to Tiffany. Please, like she said, it's the start that stops you. Just even if your voice shakes, say something. Yes. Such a beautiful way of saying that. And uh, because I'd imagine how scary that could be, especially like your story where you felt like you could get killed if you said anything. You know, talk about your voice shaking. (laughs) Right. You know, having that belief that you're going to get harmed in that way. Um, I I can't thank you enough for being willing to sit down with me and share your story. Um, I'm inspired by you. And I know my listeners will be as well. Thank um, you. I'm so glad that we connected. You know, it's funny how we connected. She yeah. heard there was, oh, I had another guest on this <clears throat> podcast who had been through some abuse. You reached out. We connected. I heard a little bit of your story. I've done some research on you. I'm like, man, I got to get Tiffany on this uh, podcast here to share this amazing story. So thank you for taking the time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Well, there you go, listeners. Another amazing belief cast once again. This world is full of amazing people, and Tiffany is one of them. She really is a light. Thank you for all your support. I pinch myself, too. Like, I can't believe I get to do these kind of things in my life. And so I'm grateful for what I've been through in in order to be in a position to, to do this. So there you go. And again, once again, thanks to Veracity Networks. Thanks to you listeners. Keep sharing and uh, keep believing in yourself. Like Tiffany said, believe in yourself. Write it down. Speak up and get help and never give up. So there you go. Thank you so much. Thank you.